Hi, this is David Ansel, and once again, I'd like to welcome you to another Lunch Break edition of my podcast. You could say this is my first remote location recording, because I'm not even in the city where I live. I'm actually up in Kansas, although by the time you actually listen to this, I will be home, because really don't even have the equipment with me. I guess well, I guess I could some f- find a way to post it, but I don't think it would sound as good. So, in my last couple of talks, I talked about, first of all, that we can know that God exists and we can know who he is because he revealed himself. Then I talked about how we can know God through revelation and through history, the history of how God has revealed himself. And today, I'm going to conclude this little mini-series that I've done about the problem of evil. And there's two kinds of evil that can pose an obstacle to belief, and one of them is the evil in the world, and the other is the corruption that has existed within the church. Both are very real things, although I think that the important thing to remember is, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead. And if he did, and he did, then he is worthy of our worship, regardless of what we see around us. And if he founded a church, then that's where we belong, regardless of what we see around us, because our faith must not be based on the people who are in charge, but in God himself. Those people are just the guarantors, the people who are there to hopefully defend the teachings, teach the teachings, and lead. But when they fail to do their duties, we shouldn't turn our backs on God. Now, I am going to argue that the existence of evil in the world is really an argument for Christianity. Because Christianity is what takes that into account. And, and what makes the most sense. Because our salvation comes not from some triumphant war hero or anything like that, but from the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. This is how we treat our God. He came among us, and he had followers, but people didn't like what he had to say. And he was crucified. And that by that crucifixion, his death, he paid the price for our sins. He paid a debt he did not owe. But even throughout the scriptures, you see examples of the evil of the world ever since the fall of Adam and Eve. Cain kills Abel. The world becomes so evil that God has to send a flood. The people where the Israelites were coming to take the land became evil. They were burning their children in sacrifice. And throughout the Old Testament, especially, you hear of wars. So our faith is really no stranger to the evil in the world. And you may wonder why God permits it. But I can't give you a straightforward explanation, and certainly not of any specifics. All evil in the world is a result of sin, but that doesn't mean that it's the result of the sin of the person to whom it falls upon. 
we know that innocent people do suffer because of evil. If I steal from someone, that innocent person I stole from suffers. But we know that God only permits evil so that he can bring about a greater good. And if you're having trouble accepting this, we've got to remember that God who created the world is obviously much more intelligent than we are. And just as parents, and I know being a parent, you know, I see and understand things that my children don't, especially because mine are very small. God is going to see and understand things that we don't. He's much more intelligent than we are. And he knows best what to allow, even when we don't. It would be arrogance for us to say that we're not going to believe God unless we can understand everything he does, because finite creatures are just not going to be able to understand everything about an infinite God. Or we can't just only believe a God who is to our personal liking, because God is so much greater than that. So when people see things and say, well, there can't be a God because of this, or they don't even believe a certain church teaching because it doesn't appeal to their sensibilities, they're saying that God wouldn't do anything that offends my personal sensibilities. But yet, like I said, he's greater than that. But what about the evil among church leaders, the corruption that's seen? Even that we are no stranger to. From the earliest times, even the leaders whom God appoints, their weaknesses are very real and are well known. Moses disobeyed God in bringing water from a rock and was not allowed to enter the promised land. The judges that God appointed to rule the people after the death of Joshua, they weren't perfect. One of them required a bunch of signs before he would follow. One of them burned his daughter in sacrifice, and one of them gave in to a woman named Delilah and lost his strength. And even in the air between those, these people who God had done so much for kept rebelling against him and kept getting themselves exiled. And that went all through the Old Testament until finally, after a bunch of kings, a great exile took place. But even in between that, King David, a man after God's own heart, yet committed murder and adultery, and yet he repented. And God spared him and forgave him. Jesus appointed 12 apostles. One of them was a traitor, and of the eleven who stayed loyal, Peter denied Jesus three times, but came back to him and was forgiven. Even later accounts within the New Testament, you can hear that there were problems. So, knowing the scriptures, we can be well aware that there are going to be problems, there's going to be sin, there's going to be corruption. And to realize that when we see this, to place our faith in Jesus Christ and to realize no matter what happens, we have as our final hope, heaven. And for all the corruption we see, let's not forget the great saints that the church has produced. There are many of them. I couldn't even begin to name them all from many different walks of life. To just look at the corruption would be to look at a one-sided story of all that has happened within the life of the church as theologian Frank Sheed said, a medicine should not be judged by just those people who buy it, but by those people who actually take it. And there are many examples of great holiness. People whom in corrupt times God raises up. And there are those people even in our own generation. We've just seen the canonization of two popes, uh, Pope St. John Paul II and Pope St. John Twenty-Third, two men who were raised up for these times. Because ultimately, 
as I said in the beginning, the question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did he found a church? And is he bringing his graces through there? Look to the saints. He is. We'll have those people who are half-hearted, and we'll have people who sinned greatly and then repented. And it's important to remember that because that could be you and I. We may not have molested children or committed murder or anything, but we have sins of our own. And we need God's mercy and his love. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.